Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we have reached Mark's account of Jesus on the cross in the middle of chapter 15. To assure that we have time this week for the entire message, we're going to jump right into today's slice of the sermon, succinctly titled, The Crucifixion. The hypocrisy is complete. And we're told at the end of verse 32, those who were crucified with him were also insulting him. It was nothing but ridicule and scorn and blasphemy. And, and the two men crucified on either side, they joined in. And what were they talking about, they didn't care about Jesus' trial. They were just parroting the things that they heard from the crowd. Maybe making sport of them, some of Jesus rather, somehow took a little bit of the sensation off the edge of their own pain. Well, I'm sure you also know the, the story that's recorded in Luke 23, 40 through 43. We're, we're told that in the midst of the mocking from the two crosses, God graciously granted faith and repentance to one of those men who turned to Jesus and said, Remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus said famously, Truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. If you ever need a proof text for the fact that a person can put their faith in Christ at the very end, well, you don't get any better than that solely on the basis of his grace and the fact that this man turned to him, Jesus made that promise. Then comes the reason why Jesus went to the cross. They crucified him, they mocked him, and it's because Jesus went there to bear your sin. Mark fifteen thirty three. When the sixth hour came, all right, if it's about nine when they crucified him, it's about noon now. When the sixth hour came, Darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. After three hours on the cross, and Jesus had said several things. One of the more interesting studies you can do in looking at the crucifixion is to find the the seven things that Jesus said from the time they began nailing him to the cross until uh, until he died. He had said several of those things in those first uh, three hours. Um, and then all the lights go out. It turns pitch dark at high noon in Israel someday in April in the year of A.D. 30. What's all that about? Oh, I've heard people explain that that's satanic darkness. Where in the world do you get the idea that Satan controls the sun? Uh, that's completely made up. Um, the, the truth is, that was God's presence. Uh, very often in the Old Testament, and I won't take time to take you to all the, the evidence, all the examples of it, darkness can be a sign of God's presence in judgment. And in the passages that, that predict the eschatological day of the Lord when God brings His final judgment and sets up the kingdom and, and all of that, uh, often those uh, passages describe it being a day of, of darkness. Now, we don't know exactly 
how far it extended. It says over the whole land. That's a little bit ambiguous. What does that mean? I mean, did it go follow right along the borders of Israel? If you were seeing it from the space station, would you have seen this one black spot over the eastern Mediterranean? We don't know. It doesn't really matter. There is some uh, uh, comments among the writings of early church theologians suggesting that it did go beyond the boundaries of Israel. I imagine it got some people's attention to wonder what was going on. Well, it was during those three hours that Jesus bore your sins. Since He is the eternal Son of God, He was able to bear the eternal punishment of God in what is a blink of an eye compared to the history of the world and compared to eternity. He bore our sins. That was the darkest moment, if you will, certainly for Jesus. Now, later revelation explains what went on there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 20 and 21, a, a favorite passage you would do well to memorize, says this, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. What's an ambassador? An ambassador is one who represents the foreign government on alien soil. So for the kingdom of God, he said, for Christ, who is the king. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, what happened during those three hours of darkness? Read on. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. There is an example of the doctrine called imputation. All your sin was credited to Jesus. He hung on that cross as if he committed every sin you ever committed. And me. And everybody. All that credited to him. He bore the punishment of God's righteous wrath against sin. And then again, through the concept of imputation in the other direction, all of Jesus' righteousness, his perfect righteousness, is credited to you. But only when you receive the free gift of eternal life, which is only in Him, it is given by His grace, it is received through your faith. Another way to say it, Dirk already alluded to in our uh, service this morning, Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive together with Him having forgiven us all our transgressions. Now, that is a great statement. All your transgressions have been forgiven. But, but how? God doesn't just say, oh, that's okay. I don't mind. You know, you've tried hard. No, He's forgiven us all our transgressions. Read on in Colossians 2. Having canceled out the certificate of debt 
consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. There's some great words there. You know, if, if I owed you a bunch of money, and you had an invoice that said so, and I said, I can't pay that, and you said, give me that piece of paper, and you wrote on it, paid in full, what would you be doing? You would be eating my debt. You would be taking what I owed upon yourself. The decrees against us, think of it as the the laundry list of all of your sins, nailed to the cross, and God took it upon Himself. How? By pouring out His righteous, necessary wrath on His own Son who voluntarily went there to fulfill that plan so that you could be redeemed. That's what was going on during those three dark hours. I'm sure it is not humanly possible to describe fully what Jesus endured on that cross. I do know it left him in a state that he had never experienced. Verse 34 of Mark 15 at the ninth hour, okay, now put it together, crucified at the third hour, nine in the morning. It goes dark at the sixth hour, noon. Now this is at the ninth hour, and it was dark until the ninth hour. So as the dark is ending, or as the light is coming back, at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, there's a couple of things there. One is, it's astounding from a human standpoint that more than once from the cross, after that initial time when he was there, when he said, Father, forgive them, they don't understand what they're doing. Jesus cried out from the cross more than once with a loud voice. Humanly speaking, that was nearly impossible for a normal man who was steadily being asphyxiated to have the strength to cry out with a loud voice. If you'd been scourged and you're hanging on a cross, every breath is precious and hard to get. Remember how they they came by and they broke the legs of the other two because they weren't dead yet? That's because you could last longer on the cross if you could... Lift yourself up a little bit. You'd get tired of being able to lift yourself by the arms, but you could, you could press up a little bit on your legs and, and, and give a chance to get one more breath to fill your lungs. And Jesus just hung there, but he cried out with a loud voice. Now, he, he cried out the Aramaic words that you will find in Psalm 22, verse 1. Same psalm that we've already alluded to. That psalm describes in detail what happened in a crucifixion. It is a messianic psalm. It is a description of or a prophecy of Jesus' death. And by the way, it was written hundreds of years before crucifixion was invented. God knows the end from the beginning. Now, you'll hear some rather fanciful interpretations of what it means that Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You've got the, um, the word faith, false teachers. They say that Jesus, 
when he was crucified, he went to hell. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.